This episode of the MS Dev Show is sponsored by an incredible special offer called the App Quality Bundle. Six leading tools that cover continuous integration, testing and monitoring of your mobile apps, web apps, and APIs. If you're considering just one of these services, buy the bundle and get the other five free. Offer ends April 15th, so don't wait. Check it out at buildbetter.software. Welcome to the MS Dev Show, episode number 49. This week we talked to Darshan Desai about application insights, a new Surface 3, PayPal and a credit card reader coming to Windows Phone, and is Windows going open source? This week we have Darshan Desai. He's a senior program manager at Microsoft. He is a 10-year Microsoft veteran. He spent eight years on the Visual Studio team, and he talks regularly at DevOps conferences worldwide. Welcome, Darshan. Hi, great to be on the show. Thanks for coming on. Uh, so what's going on, Carl? Uh, we have a little bit of feedback. Um, last week, you and I were at a users group conference and we found uh, 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 Trish Curry, a friend of the show, had a, a whole bunch of MS Dev Show stickers on her laptop and you tweeted that out. And we got we got a, a reply from a few other people who had stickers of the MS Dev Show on their laptop, including uh, Peter Tran. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, we'd just like to say, you know, hey, thanks for interacting with us. Uh, uh it's really cool to see that. And uh, also his laptop, uh, it, it's a Mac, but the, the blue matches our, the blue on our logo exactly. So I thought, oh, yeah. that, I thought that was kind of cool as well. Yeah, I didn't even notice that. I actually know that guy, by the way. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that's how, we, that's how we get a hold of our sticker. But anyway, um, yeah, Carl and I, we, we always carry around a huge stack of stickers. So anytime you see Carl and I ask for a sticker, get that on your laptop. And uh, yeah, post that on Twitter. We'd love to. Uh, we'd love to see all of your stickers. Actually, it's uh, it's pretty cool. And the thing is with the stickers, I have I have some people I hand them to, and they're they're kind of paranoid about. They're they're like, I'm not really a sticker laptop person. And the thing is, like they they you can peel them off too. They don't. Um, they're not permanent. They don't leave by a, a goo or anything like that. Um, and then we also got uh, feedback from Min Mong on Twitter. He said, uh, "Love it. Fully subscribed to you guys now." So. You know, I guess I was uh, a little bit serious whenever I mentioned that we have guests on the show just to get them as listeners. <laughs> so he's uh, we had him on the show as a guest and now he is a, a listener. So that's great to hear. Um, and then if you want to get mentioned on the show, uh, send us an email at feedback at msdevshow.com. Uh, you can comment on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash msdevshow. Uh, we really appreciate it if you leave a review on iTunes. That helps us out greatly. Uh, you know, at least leave a star review. Uh, but if you can go on there and say something great about the show, that really helps, uh, helps get us new subscribers. Okay. Let's jump into the news. So this first one is awesome because we talked to Darshan before the show. Um, he saw the, the news that we're going to be talking about. This one is announcing the surface three. So Darshan, you said you got to try one of these. Yes. I just played with uh, one of these yesterday. Yep. It, it is actually a really, really g- um, good device. So I was uh, pleasantly surprised and uh, impressed. The first thing is uh, how light it is. It's actually, uh, it, 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 it is super light and, and very quiet. And I also like the new trackpad that we have there. It, it actually feels uh, much better than, than what we had before. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the only concern I had is, is this fast, fast enough? And I, I tried out a few apps there and stuff like that, and it, it, it didn't feel slow at all, mm-hmm. right? So, so I think we, uh, all in all, uh, it's it's a great device. I had a really good experience, and for a, for my uh, next home laptop, I, I'm, I'm I'm seriously considering that. Given how light it is, and I can actually take it everywhere with me without having to uh, carry a laptop. Yeah, that really is the game changing difference, right? Is, is having a la- uh, having a tablet that that you can take the keyboard off of, and if it, I think this is a pound, right? It's, I think, a little over a pound. A little yeah. over a pound. It's close to a pound. Close yeah, pound. even my Surface Pro 3, I mean, it's it's light enough. Like, my my wife tends, she uses it in tablet mode probably 90% of the time. Um, and I think the Surface 3 is is a little bit lighter than even what she uses. And honestly, if um, if this product had existed, this is probably what I would have gotten her. Um, people don't realize, you know, that this is a this is an Atom processor in here, so it's it's fanless, and that's why it's so quiet. But the Atom processors are actually pretty fast these days. I mean, you can yeah. run any any apps that like normal people use um, are going to run fine on here. You know, it's really heavy, heavy stuff. Like, you know, of course, we always run want to run like ten VMs at the same time, and you know, like five instances of Visual Studio and and all while we're, you know, like re-encoding a, a video and, and also exporting, 
uh, all of our raw photos. Right. But, um, for anybody who's not doing all of that stuff at the same time, this is, this is actually pretty great. What do you think of this, Carl? Well, actually, I want to backtrack to something that Darshan said, because Mm -hmm. um, he mentioned how how much nicer the trackpad was. Is that even compared to the Surface Pro 3 uh, type covers? Uh, uh, To be honest, I have have not uh, tried out trackpads that much on on the Pro 3. So my comparison is with 2. I I know Pro 3, uh, they already improved it. So I don't know how much more this has improved as compared to the Pro 3 ones. Because, right, you know, if, if that's the case, I'm going to assume it's at least very similar because the three was a, a big improvement over the, the ones on the two. Um, I, I think this is a, a great uh, device. And had this been out um, a few months ago when I bought my pro, I actually may have bought this instead. Um, I mean, the money savings over it is is huge. I mean, five hundred dollars for the low end one. Um, yep. You know, we, we were talking about this would make a great, um, you know, podcast device because we're looking at, you know, just some small lightweight uh dedicated equipment to record the show off of because we uh right now use our personal machines which we muck with on a you know on a daily basis and uh you know you know looking at the price uh accessories it's a nice mix of low end but still really functional get a lot of usage out of you know i can see this being great for education yeah, this would run everything that we need to run for the podcast for sure. And then, like I said before, I mean, this the the Surface Pro three does everything I need it to do. Surface three would be perfect for my wife. She just has you know different requirements. And uh, like you said, at at five hundred bucks, um, it's just awesome. I think the the lineup now is is you know pretty much complete at this point. Cool. Anything else we want to say about that? Nope. Okay. Uh, next one. One Connect sensor to rule them all. Yeah, currently there is the Kinect sensor for Xbox and the Kinect sensor for Windows. And um, Microsoft said that they're going to just come out with an adapter, which will allow you to connect the Xbox sensor to your PC. Um, I I think this is going the way of, I I can't remember where, but I heard, uh, I I believe earlier in the month, or or actually in early March now, that... uh, all of the accessories for the Xbox going forward are going to work on the windows as well. And I believe that we said that a few episodes ago. So, okay. th- I mean, this is just kind of, to me, you know, one of those things that, you know, you know, they're bringing the current hardware forward into that thinking. Um, the company I work for, we do have a few connect applications that we have, and this, you know, just makes it real easy for us to bring all that stuff into, into big windows as well. Yeah. And I'm sure it helps with supply too. You don't have to have, you know, two different, um, you know, two different SKUs to manage. Well, I guess you have the adapter in the thing now, but that's a little bit easier to manage. Okay. Uh, next up open source windows is definitely possible. <laughs> this one, uh, this one made me laugh. I, I, I understand what we got to talk about it, but I got a kick out of this one. Yeah. So go ahead. So, so it's a, you know, the article it was originally came from wired, at least where I saw it. And it's a little bit link baity because he's not saying that, you know, windows is going to become open source. Um, but Mark Rusinovich did say it's possible. And, um, you know, there has been talk, you know, at Microsoft about all the different possibilities about making it open source, you know, on all the different scales or not. Yeah. And, and he just says, you know, with, with the attitude and the leadership that there is currently, you know, people aren't against it like um, they were years ago. Right. Yeah. I just think at, at the end of the day, whenever you look at the the quotes from him and all that kind of stuff, and I, I really don't know what the thinking internally is around this, but just looking through this at the end of it, I, I haven't really gained any information. Like, you know, we kind of figured it was always a possibility an unlikely possibility, but a possibility. And um, I don't know, this really didn't change that. So this just seemed like a sort of neutral after I read it. So that was my take. No, but it, but it still is an interesting read. If you, if you're into, you know, some, some of the thoughts um, that are along this topic, uh, go ahead, check out the show notes and we'll have a link to this article. Perfect. Okay. Announcing TypeScript 1.5 alpha. Darshan, do you use TypeScript at all? Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. I, I thought I would, uh, I thought I would check. So, so yeah, they've been, uh, they've been working on TypeScript 1.5 and, uh, so there's an alpha release out there that you can try out and there's a couple, couple new features in here. Um, one of the interesting things is a sublime text uh, plugin. Um, so for, for IntelliSense within sublime text, I thought that was kind of interesting. And then also the introduction of modules and then a feature uh, called um, destructuring and then another feature called uh, decorator or a feature called decorators essentially. 
Um, so this is pretty cool. We're actually going to have a podcast episode, uh, I think just in a couple of weeks here, just a couple episodes from now, focusing specifically on TypeScript. And we have somebody directly from that team. So she'll be able to give us a really good in-depth overview of, of what's going on. And then also um, one thing that's that's sort of related to this and, and that I want to talk about on that episode is uh, TypeScript 1.6 and what the roadmap looks like for that. Because um, it has something on it that I really want that I've been I've been wanting for a long time in TypeScript, which is async await. So in a couple episodes, watch for that because uh, we'll we'll dive in and see what we're going to get. Uh, the next one here was something I found that I thought was really cool. It is um, uh, it's for simulating Arduino boards and then creating custom circuit boards. Did you look at this one, Carl? Uh, I briefly checked it out. I, I think this yeah. is uh, really interesting, especially coming off of our talk with Min uh, a couple of yeah. episodes back. Um, so anybody who's excited and jumped into that based off of that, you know, this is uh, one of the next steps you can take. Yeah, this just kind of blew my mind away because you can... You know, you basically get a virtual, um, you know, Arduino, you get a virtual breadboard, you get virtual wires, virtual electronics. You can sit there and wire this thing up. You can actually write all your code. You can develop this whole thing and then you can actually order it from here as well, um, which is which is pretty cool because working with physical hardware is is always kind of a pain because you end up having to you know change your code, send it over, test it, that whole cycle of create and getting feedback um, as you go is 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 pretty bad. So I just thought this was really cool. So we'll have a link to it in the show notes and you can check that out. Up next, uh, announcing the Visual Studio 2015 product lineup. So the there's two big things out of here. Uh, the first one is that Visual Studio Premium and Ultimate are actually going to be merging into a new edition called uh, Visual Studio Enterprise. And that's kind of a big deal. And one of the reasons that that's a big deal is because of the uh, pricing. Uh, did you want to say anything on the pricing, Carl? Uh, I don't know I, if you know more than I do on this. Uh, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but uh, for yeah. for people that are are used to paying, you know, the premium and ultimate fees, these are it's going to be hugely discounted. I believe. Yeah. I believe if you're a first year ultimate subscriber, it was somewhere around like thirteen thousand dollars. After yeah. this merge, it's like less than six thousand. Right. Yeah. Because there's there's two things here in regards to pricing. The first is that um, the pricing I think in general is coming down. And then the second is that, um, you, if you go grab premium today, you're basically going to be on enterprise, uh, going forward, uh, which is, you know, equivalent to ultimate today. And, and I think that's really big because there's a lot of really cool things at ultimate, like uh code peak and stuff like that, that, mm-hmm. you know, most businesses wouldn't pay that extra premium for, and just, I mean, they would give their developers the premium skew. Um, and they would be missing out on some of that stuff. So now if you're an enterprise developer who's used to getting premium or higher, you're going to get everything in ultimate. Yep. So that's really handy, uh, which which kind of just shows that, I mean, going forward, you have three tiers. You, you have community, the free edition, which is the same as professional, except, you know, you're not paying for it. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you are doing it professionally, it'll see it's either professional or enterprise, which kind of makes a lot more sense than all all of those other tiers that there were before. Yep. It's more simple. And I like that. Yep. I uh, totally agree with that. And, and since I've been talking to a lot of customers, uh, there was this, this is done as, uh, as a reaction to uh, customer feedback as well, which is overwhelmingly people said there are these cool features that we really need when we demo something, but you know what? They are in ultimate and I can't get ultimate for all of my developers because of the price. So can you offer these features in premium? And and, and we used to have these conversations and over the years, we brought some features from ultimate down into premium. So there is always this uh, tension when we talk to customers and they are like, hey, we really want those features if you can offer uh, it to us. So now I think the simplification really helps by A, lowering the price and, uh, you know, uh, just pick between professional or enterprise if you are a professional developer and if you got enterprise you got all the features you wanted without having to say is it worth the price and and the roi on that and stuff like that so i think uh, i think our customers or developers will love it yeah that's a good point and, th- and there's been issues i know historically i remember i think it was like uh, when fakes came out um, i think that was an ultimate feature uh, for example another one was i think some of the the database management stuff and uh it was frustrating because it's like, oh, new feature in Visual Studio. And then I go out there and I I check. I'm like, it's not working on mine. And then here it's it's an ultimate feature. And or, or you know, um, 
if your team is running, some people are running ultimate and some are running premium, then you run into this issue where like, check out this cool feature and they go to look for it and they're like, oh, well, I don't have that feature. So this, yeah, this just simplifies that. Uh, what's new in Fiddler 4 or 5? So I, I saw this and I was like, uh, I really don't care what's new in Fiddler 4 or 5 because I don't, you know, I just use Fiddler to look what's going on over the wire. But then I looked at the actual features that they're adding and this is actually useful stuff. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty significant update from what there was previously. Um, not only is there yeah. brand new features, but there was stuff that used to be a part of plugins that are now just, you know, part of the standard feature set. Yeah. So this was good stuff. So like one thing in here is uh, is uh, WebSockets, being able to, to uh, monitor WebSockets. So that's uh, that's a big deal. Before that was just sort of a mystery. Um, uh, the other thing that I've used previously, but as as the extension, like I mentioned, is th- those image related features. So there would be an image quality explorer as well as, uh, you know, it would be able to actually optimize your images for you using those tools. And now that's kind of built in. OK, cool. And then a text wizard. This is awesome. So taking, you know, a response and being able to run it through and and do like a, a base 64 decode or URL decode or whatever. You know, it's funny because you, you don't realize kind of the pain you're going through. I'd always take that stuff, copy it, paste, you know, go to the Web page. It, it's like a URL decoder or whatever. I paste it in. Uh, so having this stuff built in is pretty cool. Uh, BSON support. Holy cow, I didn't I don't even think I read everything on here. This is awesome. Performance. Um, just tons and tons of awesome stuff. So I would check that out. Uh, and then our last news of the week, uh, PayPal here is now available for windows phone eight one. And the reason this is significant is because it supports the, uh, PayPal, the little payment dongle where you, you stick that in the headphone jack and you can use that to accept credit cards. So for me personally, I think this is really handy for, uh, like if you go door to door, um, for, um, selling popcorn for cub scouts. You know, so a lot of people are like, oh, I don't have the cash. And if, if you take the payment later, um, then you can't just drop it off whenever it shows up. And I think this would be significant. Say, hey, I'll just take a credit card. No problem. You swipe it and, and call it a day. Well, and like you mentioned, this is an equivalent service to something like Square. Yep. And, and and this enables business owners who choose uh, the Windows phone platform. It allows them to take payments because uh, other than this, there is nothing where yeah. you could uh, add that simple attachment and accept payments. Yep, exactly. So hopefully, um, cause I don't, yeah, square, I don't think it's come over yet. Hopefully we see square soon then too. No, they've um, been fairly resistant. I've been a little okay. bit upset with that because they made quite a bit of waves, you know, with iOS and then quickly went to Android and, you know, I keep checking back on them because they are kind of the, you know, player in that game. Yeah. They're and, the de facto standard and, and they've been very quiet. Well, it's good that PayPal came in then and gave us some competition. Competition's always good. Okay, so let's talk to Darshan. So Darshan, um, so why don't we start by talking about some of the work that, uh, you know, tell me about your work at Microsoft. Yeah, so for the last eight years, I've been a program manager in in different teams, uh, building different uh, products and services for developers as part of our Visual Studio ALM offerings. So what really energizes me is the fact that that the tools that I build and work on actually helps touches the lives of millions of developers and helps them build a a better software and makes it easier to do that. So uh, I've worked on a number of developer and tester tools. And for the last 18 months or so, I've been working on this awesome developer service or DevOps service rather called Application Insights. Exactly. So let's uh, so let's dive into Application Insights because that's what uh, that's what we're here to talk about. So can you just give us a, a quick definition of what is, you know, what is application insights and what does it do? Absolutely. So application insights is, uh, is this service which is hosted as part of uh, the Azure portal, which gives you a 360 degree view into the availability, performance and usage of your applications. Now, let me start off by defining what an application means. Right. It all starts from your users because uh, eventually what matters is that no matter what service or product you put out there, how do your users feel about it? So you want to know how many users come to uh, your site or your app, where they are coming from, what features are they using, how engaged are they, what are they uh, doing, how often are they coming back? So there is this first level of, you know, you want to measure 
how what your how successful your user experience is and then users interact with your application with a variety of mobile devices or uh, via the browser right so then this, that is a second layer of how is their experience there right are those apps crashing are they performant enough is your website slow or is it fast or or what is their experience there and then these devices the apps that are running on these devices talk to a number of services in the backend now it's a question of are these services available are they performing are they producing errors or are they uh, doing the stuff that they are supposed to do so what application insights tries to do is present a monitor at each of these layers starting all the way from the user or going to the backend services and presenting you a 360 degree view of is your service available is it performing and how are users how do your users feel about it all in all uh, it helps you make decisions gives insights to help you make decisions to say if your service is successful okay so like you mentioned you know we, we we have this full stack of things that we're using and that i would i would sort of argue that that stack has gotten like you know taller and taller as time has gone on right when we we introduced the the cloud and now we have our services keep getting smaller and smaller and we have this whole like interdependent um network of different things that are working together so it's great that this is something that um, uh, that you mentioned works with that entire stack because that I think that's that's almost a new problem. Whenever we only had a couple layers, it was certainly less of an issue. If you have server and then you have a client, you know, it's just you, you could just go. You either had an issue on the client or the server. You could have issues between the two, but it wasn't too big of a deal to figure out what was going on. But now we have all these different layers. So, I mean, that's that's cool to 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 know that you're focusing on that that full stack of of different uh, layers exactly so there are uh, like uh, there is one problem of having issues mm-hmm. the second as in there is a problem somewhere and i need to actually pinpoint it and solve it mm-hmm. and there is a second thing with with competition becoming so fierce but now it is so easy to develop and put out an app there a mobile app or with, with the advent of the cloud putting up a website has been so easy success is actually become uh, much harder right than before because people can just copy business models very easily and stand up their own sites and services mm-hmm. so it, it is just not sufficient for your things to be working without any problems but you need to make data driven decisions based on you know usage user behavior and understanding what's working and what's not and be able to make changes quickly and measure uh, outcomes to be successful even if everything is working all right so app insights has both these things it helps you figure out and solve issues when you have problems and even when you don't have problems it gives all the data that you need about your usage and about your customers so that uh, you can build a, a business that is actually successful so when using application insights what do you get out of the box and what does somebody have to do to get a little bit more details or insight into the service that's a great question so if you are using let's say visual studio or azure application insight is sort of built in into any new projects that you create be it a web project or be it a, like an asp.net project or a mobile app our sdk is right there and if you are using any other tool right for other platforms it's it's a simple download away our sdk is out there so just by integrating the sdk you get a whole bunch of things out of the box like if you have a web app you get all of the performance monitoring and uh, stuff like that to see if the, you have exceptions and all of those things we try to capture your server response time your client side response time and things like that we capture them out of the box without you having to write any code and if you have a mobile app we capture crashes as well as details about sessions and users and all the context properties in both cases saying you know what is the device model uh, the, the where your app was being used what country or region did they come from what was the screen resolution and so far and so on right and page views and things like these we capture them out of the box and then if you have a server and where you don't have access to code we do have an agent there so just by deploying the agent you get a lot of information such as perf counters and exceptions and so on that are going on with your application we capture those out of the box and in each of these cases in addition to what comes out of the box we do support custom events custom exceptions and metrics along with properties 
And these are all very simple. We have a very uh, developer-friendly API. So it's one line of code to send anything that is custom. So you start adding those and you can start seeing events and these custom events and metrics show up in your portal and you can then filter or segment or actually drill down to get all this information. Hey, Carl, I got to interrupt this for a second. We have a sponsor this week that has a really, really great deal for us. Um, This is an app quality bundle which actually fits in really good with the theme of this show. Basically, if you uh, if you care about quality at all, you need to check this out. So this is the ultimate tool set for building better software. And this has six different tools for one low price. So when when I got this, I sent it to you. So the URL is buildbetter.software. Which is awesome. Yeah, that is really... I didn't even know you could get .software. It's very cool. So if you go out to that site... Um, you'll look, this is a, a, this bundle costs 999 bucks. And at first I was like, wow, that's, that's a lot of money. If you look at what you get on this thing, um, this is, this is really insane. This actually comes with six different products and each of these products, uh, is normally well over a thousand dollars by themselves. Essentially, if you buy any individual one, you might as well get this pack because you're getting the other five for free with it is what it it comes down to. Yep. So let's just walk through these. So we have a code climate, which is automated code review. And that's normally uh, 1188 value. Uh, There's also run scope that which does API monitoring and testing. It's a great product. Uh, That one for a one year medium subscription would normally be 2388. So $2,388 for the year. So even if you're just going to get the run scope tool, you can get it for 999 through this deal. Another one, Ghost Inspector for automated web testing, uh, Xamarin Test Cloud, which is really cool. I think we've talked about that a little bit, or actually we're going to be talking about that in a future episode. Um, yeah. You actually test your application against uh, over a thousand devices. On actual mobile hardware. On actual mobile hardware. So they have, I think, a library of 1,400 Android devices there that you can test against. You get back the screenshots. That is a really cool product that we're going to talk about uh, more eventually. Uh, another one, Circle CI. So this one is for continuous deployment. Uh, so a free year of that included in this. And then Sentry, which is for modern exception tracking. Um, so being able to see things in real time. So again, if you have at all been thinking about buying any one of these six products, uh, this is an amazing, amazing deal. $9.99 for the entire bundle. Uh, this is You're saving 89%. This would normally cost you $9,312. This is this is like the the deal of the century. This is for a limited time. Uh, this ends on April fifteenth. So you know, whenever you're listening to the show, you don't you only have a few days to act. I would go out and check this out at buildbetter.software. Okay, so let's uh, let's take a little bit of a step back. I want to I want to dive into like a particular application type, and then let's let's sort of see how that translates to some of these other ones. So I've used this for. I've played with it in a couple different ways. And what's cool, like you mentioned, it is built into Visual Studio now. So you can, uh, if you have an application, you can actually right click on the project and say add application insights, which is really cool. The onboarding experience is is really easy. Um, what's kind of neat is uh, if you have a, let's let's start with like the website scenario. So if we have a website, you actually don't even have to, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, you don't even have to integrate this in with the backend necessarily. Uh, you can use a little JavaScript snippet that you can just put into the web page, and that will at least track the things that are going on on the front end, like you mentioned, like the screen resolution, those types of things. I always tell people it's like um, it's like Google Analytics, because so that's sort of the the de facto standard that that's on you know just about every web page on the internet. So it's it's comparable to that if you just use it in that fashion, correct? Yes. So if we have a JavaScript SDK, like you rightly mentioned, and it is just a, a snippet that you yep. put in, and, and then it starts tracking uh, tra- tracking all of your usage data right there, uh, along with all the properties. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the other thing you could also do is if you have a website or a web page, we also have this outside in tests that you could set up even without touching your code, right? These are simple ping tests as well as oh, Visual point. Studio yep. multi-step web tests. So we have agents running from 16 uh, locations in the world, which which will actually keep on uh, running these availability tests for you and let you know if your site or your service is available. So that's the availability part. And then you talked about the JavaScript SDK, which is the usage part. And in order to know the performance, you could add the SDK to your application itself. Perfect. Yeah. So so like you mentioned then, so that, that sort of covers the, the part that runs in the browser. We got the ping tests that are checking our server. And then if we dive into our, our web app itself, we can, like you mentioned, we can add some code to that. 
that will track, um, uh, you know, what were all the things you mentioned? So it will track things like exceptions that are happening. Yes, it'll track it'll uh, track all the requests, yep. uh, and 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 it'll give you fail requests and time it took, and like you can uh, uh, get, dive there. It'll track dependencies for you automatically, and it will uh, track by dependencies. I mean dependencies and fail dependencies and so on, mm-hmm. and exceptions. Uh, if there are any, it'll track server response time and it'll break it down into you know where what where this time was spent and uh, how much of it was spent. And on the server side, if you have the agent installed, we also collect perf counters so that you get an idea into your server saying, you know, what was your CPU, your memory, and, and all other, uh, the disk and stuff like that doing when some of this happened, right? So uh, these are some of the things that we collect automatically out of the box. And then if you have any custom metric or event or exception that you want to send, you could just uh, you, you could just add it. It's, it's, it's code that you can okay. add. It's very simple. The other thing we also do is we actually uh, collect logs or traces and we have a default integration there with uh, with a bunch of locking adapters. So if you use nlog, log4net, or log4j, or any of those, uh, in that case, we automatically get in all the trace statements that you have put into your code, be it info warning or error, and and show you those as well to correlate with your error so that you don't even those show up in the app insights portal. Wow. That's an incredible amount of information. So what other, yes. Yeah. So what other types of applications? So we talked about like a website and that full stack. Right. So, so before, before we uh, move sure. to uh, other, the one more thing I wanted to mention is it's important to note that for, for this website, we collected information from various sources like these outside in tests and then the, from the browser and from the app and from the server itself. So all of this can be visualized together in a single portal. And if you go, if you go to Azure portal and look at application insights, we have something called as a pair timeline. So you can, in a single timeline, you can actually see all of these values, what is my availability, my performance, and my usage. And you can see the correlation. Like if you had a dip in the number of users, you could actually go and see at that point, did I have more exceptions? Was my availability down? Or like what, what was happening? And so you can pinpoint problems really easily. Okay, so uh, the other, you're coming back to your question mm-hmm. on the other type of applications. Uh, we do support websites, ASP.NET, or any .NET services for that matter, uh, Java applications, as well as device applications, mobile applications. In the mobile category, that's because that's the second category of applications we support. For now, we do have support for uh, Windows apps, Windows Phone or Windows Store 8.1 apps. And uh, we are working on support for uh, Windows and we also support Windows 10 apps. So whenever you get to play with it, whenever you get to build them, we'll support those as well. And we are working on iOS and Android SDKs as well, right? So so what we do there is in case of mobile application, the the the, the SDK runs with the app itself in, in, as part of the application, mm-hmm. and. What we collect there is data about usage. So as soon as a user uses an app, we collect all the information about the device, the device model, the screen resolution, where the user came from, and so on. In addition to capturing how many sessions were there and uh, how many users were there, what was the session length and returning users, your daily active users, and so on. And uh, and crashes. If your application crashes, we would actually show up how many of these, uh, how many crashes were there. We automatically group them for you and tell you how many users were impacted by each type of crashes so that you know which ones are important. And then you can drill in and see the exact stack trace. And not just that, it's, you can also get all the steps that happened before the exception happened so that you can actually go in and really have all information to solve those crashes. So these things come out of the box. And uh, if you write some code, you could send us custom events and a lot of people who use it for our mobile apps do this. It helps you track user behavior, helps you track what features are, are more useful and uh, which ones are not, and uh, and so on. It, if you have a game, for example, you can actually track an event to see which level are people getting stuck at, where do they need helps, and so on, right? So uh, so it's actually uh, pretty useful that way. It's amazing how comprehensive that is. It's just incredible. So w- what kind of feature parity is there with all these different, you know, platforms and language types? Um, you know, you obviously can't implement everything the same across them, but what can somebody, uh, a developer expect? Yeah, that's a that's a great point. So so when I uh, t- I talked about a bunch of things in addition, like from a, f- a feature completeness standpoint, we do have SDKs that are published 
by our team right uh, and which are part of visual studio like you can add right click and add it to your project and these are for today we have them for asp.net for javascript windows phone and store applications java applications and a bunch of logging adapters such as nlog log4net trace listener log4j in so these i would say have all the auto collection and the stuff that i just mentioned in addition if you are building other types of applications we do have core sdks which are there which you can use which might not have all of this auto collection built in so you will have to write some code to get this but at the end of the day it's a rest api so if you can write code against it and send us events we will accept them and we'll show them but it you might have to do a little more work and some of these are built by our community as well by some of the customers and some of the partners we work with so if you are building a php python ruby node.js wordpress angular js uh, app then there are these open source sdks out there which i would say uh, we don't promise since they are not officially supported that they are they have the full feature parity or the auto collection that the the other ones have but you can actually get started you might have to write a little more code for those Does that makes sense mm-hmm. are you just mentioned you know a whole bunch of those you know those open source languages ones and you mentioned .net and java um is there support for official support for any other languages or platform you know most specifically i i haven't heard anything about ios you know it- so so like i said um we are working on ios and android uh, sdks as well and they're coming soon uh, right now we don't have any official support for them but we are uh, we are working on that okay. so the other thing which we uh, also did is in uh, end of december of last year we acquired a company called hockey app mm-hmm. which is which is a which is a market leader in sort of the crash analytics for ios and android apps in addition to doing a beta distribution and feedback scenarios so they are now part of our team and we have been working with them uh, to integrate the stuff that the cool technology that they have built as part of app insights so right now it's it's work in progress it's coming soon okay very cool so what i was wondering there is you mentioned that there's like these custom providers, these community-driven providers. What level do they integrate at? Are they just um, are they collecting the data and then they're sort of doing an HTTP post up to your service? Is that how that works? Right. So, so there are a bunch of people who write SDKs on their own. So, yeah. for example, uh, there, there are a few apps, Android and iOS apps. Even though we did not publish any SDK, they are sending our data. Okay. We have a we have a REST endpoint. There, okay. right so you could you, you could write code you could you could just do a http post like you mentioned and send us data in the format that we accept right mm-hmm. and and uh, then it it would just show up in the portal the 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 community sdks you could go to github i i can send you the link mm-hmm. uh, to that one we have an app insights page on github if you go out there you can find all these sdks what they have written is wrappers in those languages so it actually makes it easy for you like if you are sending us if you want to send us an event then you say uh, in C sharp, you would say telemetry client dot track event, and it would be like they have sort of implemented this syntax across languages, so that you don't have to do HTTP post, and they wrap okay. that for you, and they give you a simple one line to send an event or a metric or an exception. Very cool. So there's a community that's growing around this. Exactly. So some of these were started by some of our team members as their weekend projects, and some of them were started by some of the other partners and uh, customers. Mm-hmm. And there's a community, so we ex- we do accept requests from outside the team, uh, and uh, our team sorts of coordinates these projects. But uh, there are people contributing to this, and if uh, if there is uh, if you want to actually add in something to this, you could uh, do this or start a new project as well. Very cool. So what about um, dev test scenarios? So does does the dev test data, I mean, I, I would imagine if you add this and you have some uh, dev test exceptions being generated and logs, like, does that all get mixed in? I mean, is there a good way to manage that? So, yes. So for the dev test scenarios, there are a few ways this uh, can actually be used. Mm-hmm. We do have, we do in our SDKs, we do have something called as a developer or a debug mode. So we so that is set as a property. It's called uh, the property is called developer mode. When you set that property, for example, we send data instantly, so that enables you to test it in in real time. For example, in in case of mobile apps, we do batch data. Otherwise, 
just to you know what not to kill your network and your battery okay. uh, so we, we do batch we do batch data we do we do caching we send them at re- we send it at regular intervals and persist it but if you are in in developer mode and by default this is set on all debug builds when you are in, in visual studio mm-hmm. so the data is sent instantly so that you can go back go to the portal and validate whether telemetry you are sending arrives there or not okay right so what what people uh, usually do is they they set up two different apps and in some cases actually three depending on the number of environments they have before they deploy it to production and they have different instrumentation keys just to not mix up the data and just before deploying the app to prod they switch the instrumentation key so that it goes to the uh, so so that it goes to the prod endpoint so they keep one of these apps purely for the test environment in application insights portal and the other one for your dev environment perfect the, the other interesting dev test scenario is if you are if you find an issue in production and it's a performance issue and you fix it and you want to do a scale or, or load testing before you deploy it in production you can use application insights to monitor your server so that you get a very similar monitoring when you run these uh, scale or load tests just like when you are running it in in your production scenario so you can be actually sure that when you deploy it in prod your data would look all right right so this is how people use it in dev test scenario as well oh that's that's a really good point because yeah we we'll do a load testing right a- a- against a service but we really we're just looking to make sure that it continues to work and we look at response times but actually having that insight as to what's going on in the back end is very useful as well you know like is it yep. is it barely hanging on is it is it are we starting to get a higher rate of exceptions that's that's pretty cool exactly and uh plus what used to happen in the past was if ops team uses a different sort of tools to do the monitoring and uh, they get a visibility into different set of counters the dev team never used to have that kind of visibility into what tools they have because they were never used in dev test environments so with this one being fully built into visual studio and into azure portal so the dev it's it's actually designed that way for the devops team so you use the exact same tools to monitor uh, your service when you're doing your load testing or any kind of uh, pre-production testing so you can be sure that when you deploy it into prod and you will and your uh, ops team or in some cases it's the same devops team is monitoring prod data and and you can be sure that you know uh, you, your values would just be right in in realistic load okay that's really cool. I really like the at the beginning where you said that if you put it in debug mode, it's automatically going to send up that. Uh, yeah, it's just real time. It's it's real time. I think I think that's really important because a developer that's something that they would forget to either set or that's something that would uh, you know they would have to look into to figure out, and it just comes there. It's one of those other things that's just out of the box. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I also want to point out that uh, our latency is really low. So the data for if you are if it's a website or a service, it's always real time. So there is there is absolutely no re- latency within a minute of data of your usage. You can go back to the portal and you can actually see data right there. It's it's in in case of mobile apps where we try to batch data and and before we send it. Uh, and, and we send it on specific events like the start of a session or an occurrence of a crash and, and or at regular intervals. And that is where the developer mode makes it fully real time, mm-hmm. even for even for mobile apps. That actually brings up a good point. If if there is what if what about an offline scenario? Is it does it cache that data and then batch it up whenever it comes back online? Yep. OK, yep. we do persist it to disk uh, the, the, and, and we do retries uh, and we do have a buffer size, which of course, if you want, you can configure it. And uh, as long as that is not f- filled, up, filled up, we we do persist it to disk and we keep retrying the next time you get a network connection. Okay. Uh, so you don't lose data. Yeah. Another mobile app question. Um, does it uh, support um, all of these insights, error handling reports and stuff in the background task as well? Because I know that's where I'll, some of these other services kind of fall down. So, so currently... Uh, I should say officially we don't have an SDK for any of the background tasks. We do only have SDK for apps. However, I think people could go and and uh, use our core SDK, which is out there, and and we'll have to write extra code to do uh, because we don't do any auto collection and stuff like that. Uh, but that's a request we have heard now from a few customers, and it's 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 on our backlog. Hey, excellent. Just because I personally have an app that is almost entirely a background task app. So that's usually something that's on the forefront of my mind. Um, but moving on, you know, what, what other products are similar in the market uh, to this or compare to application insights? So actually there are, there are, I would say uh, there are quite a few products uh, out there. The, the APM or 
application performance management space for both web applications and mobile applications is very hot. There are there are many uh, new companies coming up all the time. Although I would like to say that uh, when we look at companies that are out there, they are usually focusing and doing really well uh, on on one part of the problem. That there are that there are companies out there that do availability monitoring and and let you run these ping tests from around the world and see if your site is available. There are companies which do performance monitoring and let you see errors with respect to uh, how your site is actually holding up. And there are log management uh, solutions out there where you can actually send traces and logs and you can go analyze them. And there are, of course, a bunch of web analytics and mobile analytics companies. The focus, the audience of some of these companies, the, the, the ones which are focused on monitoring is the ops teams. And the ones which are focused on web analytics are more of the marketing teams, mm-hmm. right? So, so if I, so what when we started building application insights, it actually we started looking at how we operate, how we build our own services at at Microsoft, at Visual Studio, and in, in Azure Teams. And we really thought that focusing on one part of the problem is is never usually sufficient to give you the full answer. You need all of these together and get sort of a 360-degree view. And, and that is how I would say application insights is, is different because we just don't do one of these things really well. We sort of give you a full 360-degree view of your application with respect to your availability, performance, and usage. So I would say there are companies in each of these spaces, uh, in each of these areas, but uh, I don't know of any which do all of these three and give you a 360-degree view today. Very cool. So, you know, talking about some of these other services, would you ever use application insights with any of them? So as an example, uh, recently we had talked to somebody from Raygun IO and they, you know, they do a great job of, of exception handling. So it's whenever your application is crashing or you have some kind of issue in the application, they do, they just do an awesome job at that. So would you ever, would you ever want to use like application insights with something like Raygun? Oh, absolutely. Uh, no, actually, uh, before I uh, let me step back. Sure. So I have I have not looked at Reagan in, uh, specifically, so mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what they do. Uh, however, there are a number of scenarios. Like using application insights is not the end of the world, right? There are a number of uh, scenarios why you would need some other services as well, which specialize in a certain area for the type of application you're building. In case of mobile applications, people all the way, all the time, uh, they talk to us, uh, when I talk to people, they talk about, you know, uh, acquisitions and campaign tracking and and being able to use one of these use application insights in conjunction with that. And in case of server apps, there's usually a scenario of doing uh, like deep server monitoring and stuff like that. And we do have other products within Microsoft. Like for example, in case of server, we do have uh, operational insights. And then we have uh, Azure mobile engagement as another offering that comes out of Azure, right? We do have services within, and there are lots of services and solutions outside of Microsoft too. So it actually, it absolutely is our uh, idea that you should be able to use these things. And some of these things are naturally complementary to each other. For now, we haven't done any first-class integration with any of these uh, third-party solutions or even first-party solutions with application insights. But we do have data export story. So you could export out the data and and, and kind of merge it yourself. But, da- but remember, we just are in an early preview stage. And down the line, we absolutely have it on our backlog as a big priority to kind of go and integrate with other services that make sense to give users a complete solution without them having to figure out how to make these two work together. Can you go, Does that make sense? Yeah. Can you go into a little bit more detail, though, about this data export, you know, how that works and the format that you guys, you know, uh, export it to? Yeah. So today what we have is uh, we do have continuous data export and if you set that up for your application what we need what you need to do is you need to give us an azure storage uh, storage key right and uh, what we do is every time this data comes we do a bit of pre-processing on the data and as we store it into app insights we also kind of export this out continuously into your azure blob so you see rows of data which is right there. So you see raw data. It's not just the counts or the aggregates or stuff like that. So anything that you sent us, custom metrics, events, properties are all out there. So you do have uh, you do have all of this exported out into your blob store. 
Very cool. What about uh, the opposite way? What about importing historical logs? So I was just thinking if I get up and running with this, I might have, you know, a whole bunch of uh, log files on disk or something like that. Is there is there anything around that or am I, you know, should I just do have like a fresh start with this? So, so uh, that's a that's a really good question, and this ask has come up a few times before. So we don't have anything for bulk import today, mm-hmm. and and that's something that we will uh, we are we are considering doing that down the line. Uh, the only way to do that today would be to use our APIs and send that data as if it, uh, like it was fresh data, and you'll have, otherwise you're uh, you're pretty much limited to doing a oh, fresh start. Are you able to send an old timestamp? We today we accept only up to okay. the last forty eight hours. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Okay. Can you give us a little bit of background about how Application Insights uh, started? Yeah. So Application Insights, uh, I guess, started organically from uh, from within the t- uh, within the team as well. There were a f- there were a few different uh, projects or people who were who were doing this for running and managing our own services, and we thought this is actually something that's that would be useful. To uh, for for developers and customers outside as well, and 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 let me give you a, a bit of a background. So as Visual Studio, we were building products before, right? Until a few years back, and then as as software moved to cloud, we started Visual Studio building Visual Studio online, and we now have a successful developer service out there, right? With lots and lots of users, and as we started to build this service. We were we were running a DevOps team, so we didn't have a separate ops team and a dev team with a wall in between. But these two teams kind of worked together, and we started running into some of some of these issues ourselves. Hey, how do we make sure that our service is running? It's up, and then we sort of you know okay, what is the solution out there? Can we build some solution here, or can we quickly set this up? And then we figured out it's not just important that you know that your app is up because that it's it, it is not really available if your service is up uh, but actually uh, it's uh, not performing as expected if if queries are taking if your requests are taking a lot of time and your user exp- and the users are leaving you because of that then it, it, it then there is no point of calling that our availability is 99.9% because it's not really available. Mm-hmm. Then we said, okay, we, in addition to availability, we also need to know all of this performance uh, data along with it. And we sort of brought up, sort of building dashboards where we surface all of this together. And then as more and more users started coming on board, we wanted to make sure that our users are successful with the service. And in order to know that, we wanted to uh, be more data driven to figure out what our users are using what do they like and stuff and so there are we found out that there are a number of uh, solutions out there uh, which we could potentially use which are which are uh, which give us this data but then it's not even connected to the other data we are collecting about monitoring our site so when when as we as we started building these solutions for ourselves we found out that this, this is actually a problem when we say we are building ALM tools our the application lifecycle management doesn't end at actually shipping the product out there. People really need to know what's going on in prod to be able to get this information back into planning and prioritizing your next iteration. So we, so then that is how Application Insights was born. And we said, okay, so we have, we have this collective wisdom and a set of solutions out there. Let's actually put this together and build it as a service so that we could internally use it as well as expose it to our customers. And so for a long time now, we are using Application Insights to monitor a bunch of internal uh, internal services that Microsoft has, including what we are building. We are using Application Insights to monitor Application Insights itself. So we do use it to monitor our own availability, our performance, and usage. Awesome. So, yeah, so it, it would basically, uh, it came out of, you know, uh, fulfilling your own need, and it just happens to be something that pretty much everybody else needs as well. That's great. And I always find it great when you use the tool to make yeah. the own tool better. If you can, if you use that, I mean, it's, it's, it's a good feedback cycle. It, it is. And not only that, but it's, it's just a good way to say, Hey, this is, is useful. If you can't even use your own tools, there's something wrong with that. But, uh, can you tell us anything about pricing? Uh, because it's in preview form right now and we don't see anything like that. So is there anything you can share with us? Oh, uh. Unfortunately, I can't share. Uh, I I don't have much to share at this moment. It's currently it's free for any scale. It's in it's in early preview and uh, it's public. It's it's out there. So feel free to go ahead and use it. But 
at some point not so distant future i uh, uh, believe we will share some of the pricing details that that uh, as we get there but currently you don't I, have I, to I, we could just keep it free <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah we could just do that no i i've been using it because it is free but uh yeah i'm i'm hoping it's uh hoping it's not too expensive but yeah that's yeah, fine so so, so, so yeah, stay you tuned. can be assured that uh, when we come up yeah when we do come up with pricing we, we will uh we will come up with something that's very reasonable and competitive to our uh, uh as compared to the what is out there in the market so okay yeah but but i have nothing to share right now perfect um any upcoming features that you can talk about actually there are a whole bunch uh of upcoming features yeah, you guys are you guys and, are moving fast i mean i've yeah, I, I, yeah. if you so, go so, out there week to week i mean it's it's amazing how much uh, is being added Yes. So I yes, I was as exactly I was going to so, uh, say that. So earlier we were deploying once in every three weeks. That's 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 how long our sprints are. So we were deploying at the end of a sprint. Now we are doing weekly deployments. We are adding new features every week and sort of hot fixes or the urgent things just go in at any time, right? Uh, as we need them. So uh, we we put out this preview on the Azure portal of a few months back. I guess in, in November was when we said hey you can start using it for real and since then a lot of people have been uh, have taken a bet on application insights for their production services and apps and we are we are getting overwhelming feedback it's it's mostly positive and then there are also these feature requests that i get that you know what this is really stopping me from using it i would really love to have this and so on so we are taking all of this data in and and uh, putting those features out week after week so there's a lot of things going on and uh, from the platform support side i already talked about it uh, ios and android are something that are in progress mm-hmm. and there are other platforms as well such as uh, windows desktop apps you can use it today but we don't have the automatic collection and stuff like that so so we are working on on those as well um, in addition to reacting to customer feedback and polishing the service and uh, and you know m- making it more and more useful perfect um anything else we want to talk about or should we move on Move on. Okay. Uh, Azure pick of the week. So this week, my pick is Azure backup. So this was a recent announcement and this is for backing up um, Azure IaaS VM. So this is basically a new feature as part of Azure backup. So this lets you take backups while uh, virtual machines are running and, and do things like um, uh, VM retention. Uh, so this is, this has been uh, needed for, for quite a while and now it's out there and I'm just going to leave it at that. If you're interested in backing up your virtual machines while they're running, uh, go take a look at the show notes. We'll have a link in there. And then Carl, what do we have for the app of the week? So there's quite a few really good apps, uh, this week. The first one is called hub H U B B. It's a windows, uh, application by, uh, Nigel Sampson. And what this is, is, uh, you can view your GitHub repositories and specifically manage the issues of it. So if if you're using the issue and bug tracking within GitHub, you can manage all of that through this application here. And um, I actually do have a, a couple of GitHub uh, repositories where I use the issues on there. And I found it just really nice way to interact with it. You can manage your issues kind of Kanban style, um, you know, work with all the different users, milestones, you know, all that stuff that's in there. Uh, really well done, laid out, easy to use. Um, yeah, it's got a nice, clean look and feel from what I see here. Yeah, so everybody uses GitHub, but not everybody uses issues. If you're one of them, check out this app. Perfect. And then MS Mobile. So this was actually, is this the one I'm thinking it is? Yeah, this was yep. the April Fool's joke that's... Uh, Kind of serious too. Well, I shouldn't say it's kind of serious. It's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, th- this was pretty cool. So uh, this emulates the old DOS uh, prompt, and you can use all the commands. You know, CD. You know, change directory that way. Um, you can launch a, a a little spoof of Windows. You can type Win, and it'll get you the nice sound effects. You can tap on Internet Explorer, and it'll make the old dial-up sound. Um, <laughs> There's even a rock, paper, scissors game hidden in there and just it, it's very in-depth. You know, it's, it's you yeah. Know, and I, there's I, also a, a camera in here, right? There's an ASCII camera. Yep. Uh, it'll, it'll do uh, what uh, eight or 16 bit images and ASCII uh, uh, version and a third version as well. Yeah. In there. At, what is this app? Is this MS mobile? MS, yeah, MS DOS mobile. I mean, oh, I should I should check it out. It sounds like yeah, you're, you're running DOS on your phone. <laughs> that, that is awesome. I sh- I'm 
going to download it right now. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's really cool. And, the, and then the other thing is this would probably actually be, um, actually, I don't know if it works with uh, 8, but it's certainly in Windows 10, I think the the new, there's that new keyboard that works cross-platform. You could use our the, the new Microsoft Bluetooth keyboard with this. Uh, oh, nice. Which would, oh, I, I assume, right? I, I, get, I haven't tried it, but um, I assume you could do that. So if you, uh, if you're really into DOS, uh, I recommend the keyboard. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, a lot of work put into an April fool's gag. And I, I'm curious how they did this too. If, if, you know, like how much of an implementation of DOS this is, or if it's just completely emulated. I don't know, but our last app of the week is staff pad. And this was a, this is just very impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, what it allows you to do is write uh, musical, uh, notes down on a clef and it'll convert them to you know actual notation it'll convert it from handwriting to the actual notes and you you've got to go to the site at staffpad.net and it's just an amazing video uh just showing you what's available uh what you can do and this is a you know a winrt app uh it's exclusive it's not on any of the other uh you know like android or ios yet um, yeah there's a video that just starts playing whenever you go to the website and it's just amazing. It is just, it is just masterfully implemented. So if you ever, uh, you know, if you're somebody who writes music by hand today, uh, which is, you know, arguably a pretty niche audience, uh, this is a, an amazing, amazing app. Um, and it is, uh, so probably not going to, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, it's probably too late to get this at a discount, but I think here and we're recording this on the third. If you, uh, if you get it within, uh, if you get it on the third, it's half price. So it's 40 bucks. It says three hours remaining as we're recording. So it's oh, yeah. not going to be out in time. <laughs> so it's probably not going to make it darn. But anyway, uh, I, I think the normal price is like 80 bucks and, um, you know, this is the type of app though, that can certainly command that amount of money. This is exclusive to the windows store because it takes advantage of the pen um i just don't see how you would do this on another platform it would it just it would definitely not be as good on any other platform well Um, it it also has features not just that the handwriting stuff which is impressive but it'll like import uh midi uh music xml it'll export it to midi mp3 wave i mean oh wow and it, it can it can sync all of this stuff into your OneDrive um application i mean uh it has supports for all different kinds of instruments. So, you know, you can, when you do that export, you can just select your instruments and it'll, I mean, this isn't, you know, while printing. Yeah. The video is still playing. Like I've been watching it the entire time and they keep showing new stuff. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's so just a, it, it's just a good like reference app. Yeah. So if you're musically inclined, you might find this really useful. If you're not, I mean, you at least want to check out the website um, to see what we're talking about because this is something I think a lot of, you know, developers strive for is having something this well done. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So Darshan, we play a game on this show. Let me get the latest card here. It's really easy. All you have to do, you have to pick a number between one and four. Okay. That's that. Well, so pick a number between one and four. <laughs> four. Okay. And then I'm just going to, all you got to do then is answer a question. Would you rather never again be able to celebrate the winter holidays or never again be able to celebrate your birthday? Hmm. And do I have to tell you why? No, you don't say why. <laughs> it's it's optional. It's just a fun game. It's called uh, Would You Rather. It's just a, from my kids. Okay, so so never again be able to I, celebrate the winter holidays or I'd pick my birthday. <laughs> yeah, I think I think a lot of people already don't celebrate their birthdays. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my wife likes to pretend it doesn't exist. Well, even at that, if you treat your uh, birthday as a holiday, would you rather give up one holiday or several holidays? (laughs) There you go. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Carl, pick a number. I'll take three. Three. Okay. Would you rather have to sleep each night with two harmless bats in your bedroom or have five pigeons hanging out in your bathroom at all times? Uh, I'll I'll sleep (laughs) with the bats. Um, (laughs) Well, so they're harmless. Yeah. What's I mean? Well, they could poop on you, though, right? So the the pigeons would do that more. Oh, that's yeah. true. Your bathroom would be an absolute mess. I I actually like bats. Um, I mean, they're, they're, I mean, both animals are afraid of creatures, but you know, pigeons. I imagine they get a little bit more violent than a, a small bat would. So here's what you do: you you build you build the bat cage or not cage the bat uh, nest right with the, like the <laughs> tiny slits. They'll sleep in that. They'll, well, I suppose they're they nocturnal. To, they're nocturnal, yeah. so they'll they'll be up at night. Yeah, but you know true. what? I, I sleep so soundly. Oh, yeah, so they're going to fly. Well, anyway, let's let's table this discussion. <laughs> <laughs> That's about enough of that. 
So Darshan, uh, where can people find you? So I I usually write blogs at the Visual Studio blog site, the Visual Studio ALM blog site. Okay. And I'll, I'll give you the link for that. Yep. And uh, other than that, you could send me emails or uh, find uh, on Twitter. And I'm not that active. And yesterday I realized that my Twitter account was hacked. And there are ah. some, there were random people. I, I don't, I, I wouldn't use it. Uh, I was not using it that often, but you know what? I, I did create, uh, I deactivated my account and I created a new one and I promised to be more regular. And one of my first things I'm going to tweet about is about this show. So people can find me more regularly, uh, there going forward. Excellent. Yeah. I wondered why your account was only 19 hours old. <laughs> wondered what was going on there. Very interesting. And yeah, that's, uh, yeah. I just, yeah, I just created one. I, I had, uh, I had tweets and, re- uh, retweets and I, I was following people i had no clue who they were and it was all a I mess so fresh start yeah so it's uh desai underscore darshan uh yes. on twitter and we'll have a link to uh, all your stuff in the show notes and then carl where can people find you you can find me at wpdevguy.com or on twitter at carl schweitzer or you can just listen for his kids. You can find me. <laughs> you can find me at ytechie.com or on Twitter at twitter.com slash ytechie. Uh, Darshan, thanks again so much for coming on the show. This is uh, this is a really cool service. And uh, I'm hoping that some people who haven't heard about it will go check it out. It was my pleasure. Um, thanks for having me over. And uh, I had a great time too. Be sure to subscribe by searching for MS Dev Show in your favorite podcasting app. Leave us a review at iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, or your podcast aggregator of choice. Visit us at msdevshow.com where you can leave comments, check out our links, show notes, and more. Visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash msdevshow. You can send us your comments and feedback directly to feedback at msdevshow.com. 